Hey, 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 let's go. Two hours left of this show. Keep McPherson on the fan, taking your calls, talking sports, obviously. The Rangers lose. It's okay. Rangers fans, weigh in. Tell me what you saw. Tell me what you felt. Tell me what the garden was like. I know it's a little bit of a letdown on Patrick Kane's debut night. Yankees fans, call me up and tell me what you're thinking about Anthony Volpe. We're going to be talking about him for the next 15, 20 years. No rush, no rush, no rush. He is what you think he is. I was pumped to see him hit that leadoff home run today. I've been pumped to see uh, all the stuff coming out because we're we're just this much closer. I, I think that by the time we get to September, he'll probably be called up. And I think that he has a chance to help this team in October. But I expect them to start him off in AAA, just from what I've seen from the Yankees and the fact that they have IKF and they have Oswald Peraza. So they're going to give those guys an opportunity to succeed or fail, and young Anthony Volpe is waiting in the wings, and he's going to handle himself the right way. He's going to go handle his business. Baseball's not hard for that kid. We saw him at the end of the season go up to AAA when Peraza got called up after Peraza was dominating um, AAA. Volpe went and was hitting home runs and stealing bases. And, you know, I think that in a year, maybe not even a year, I'm not even putting that much time on it. I just don't think they're going to start the year with him as your opening day shortstop. I keep seeing that on Twitter. I'm like, that's cool and all. It's just not realistic, in my opinion, based off what, you know, IKF would have to get hurt. Or Peraza would have to get hurt, and I think I saw Peraza got hurt today, but he's, he should be good. Uh, it would have to be an emergency type of thing. But I don't expect on the fast track, Volpe, and Dominguez too. Dominguez, we've been waiting on it. And, you know, similar to like Gary Sanchez, I always said that about Gary Sanchez. Is like, we heard about Gary at age 16. So it, it felt like he was, you know, like in our lives earlier or a Yankee earlier than he actually was. And with with Dominguez, man... I think he has some more to develop. I, I hear people like, put him in left field right now. They're not going to do that. They are. The reason that they've coveted these prospects, the reason that they haven't traded these prospects is that they are treating them with kid gloves. They want them to be 100% ready to go. They want them to be able to step in and make an impact. They don't want them to slump. They don't want to mess these guys up. And we've seen them mess guys up. I think they messed up Davey Garcia. Uh, I haven't heard much about Luis Heal, but, you know, two seasons ago when we saw Luis Heal, it was like, all right, this guy's got a, a command. He's got a little control, and he seems like the stage isn't too big for him. Obviously, he got hurt, but um, I remember they kept sending him back down, and I'm like, hey, let this guy rock. You know, that type of stuff can mess with these young players' egos. Their dream is to play Major League Baseball. Their dream is to put on the pinstripes in Yankee Stadium and be in the roll call and have the fans behind them. And uh, we'll get there. We'll get, we'll get there. There's a ton of talent on this Yankees team. And there isn't a dire need for a Jason Dominguez or an Anthony Volpe. So it, it, it's, I just, you know, I wouldn't expect it to be opening day. I think that's for Yankees Twitter and good. You should be encouraged that the future is now, right? It's not now, but the future is here. And we can see that these guys are going to be major league level ball players. Let's get back to the phones. Jarvis is in Harlem. What's up, Jarvis? You're back on the fan. How you doing, Keith? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, scrolling through the channels now trying to find maybe some hoops to watch. Uh, that Rangers yeah, game was yeah, uh, anticlimactic. Yeah. yeah, I'm just watching the Clippers and Warriors right now, so it's just the beginning, so it should be a good game. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk about the Yankees and, you know, I know, like, everybody's, like, you know, don't like Brian Cashman, like he, everybody should fire him. But you know, just things like you know, spend wisely. You know, spend money on freeze wisely. You know, just you know, just saying like um his matches. Like I think it's like saying like um saying like um Yankee fans are overreacting because they keep losing the American Championship to Houston Astros, and you know, he like mostly like most Yankee fans like Brandon Singh screaming, being been naked to all his Cashman isn't going anywhere. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I don't know why. Like they, like you're saying about the manager too. Like of um, Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone isn't going anywhere. They both exactly. got new contracts exactly. in the last two years. Exactly. They're they're exactly. in lockstep I mean, together. They're 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 here together. Like right. Yeah, they, yeah, they're here together. I mean, Aaron Boone never won hundred 
wins back-to-back years. I mean, you know, so I know they haven't been to a World Series in four, like, was it since 2009, was it been 13 years now? If they have 14, if they don't make it this season. Yeah, they keep running into the same Astros team that beaten them, like, lost, like, five out of six in the American League Championship. So hopefully, hopefully we can, you know, try to, you know, win the division, you know, try to get far to the playoffs and how far they get to the World Series. So uh, hopefully that be happening this year. Yeah, it's all about staying healthy. Thanks for the call, Jarvis. For me, it's health, right? We, we can't have, uh, you know, it seems like the last few seasons we've had stretches of the Yankees missing players, multiple players, starters that they needed, whether it was last year where you don't have Stanton, you don't have Rizzo, you don't have LeMayu. It's like, all right, come on. These are all guys that are supposed to be in their primes. These are all guys that are making a good amount of money. And, you know, Judge had to literally carry. You can't have that this year, right? We can't expect Judge to carry the team this year. We can't expect Judge to hit 60 home runs this year and save the Yankees every time they need a hit. You know, who's going to replace his replacement or um, his production? Who's going to replace his production in the lineup? I don't know. I know we've talked around it, right? A healthy DJ is going to help. But I was thinking, too, I was like, man, Matt Carpenter stepped in last year after Memorial Day, and he had a good run from, you know, Memorial Day to, uh, I think, like August. Who's going to replace his production? You know, these guys will figure it out. They're They're going to hit. I hope Josh Donaldson is a little bit better. Like I said, I'm done hating on the guy. He's here. Your boy Cashman traded for him to be here. They're going to run him out there again. I was listening to Michael K say something like, oh, yeah, he should have been in the uh, gold glove conversation. Okay, whatever. He wasn't. Uh, he didn't. I don't think he was in the top three. And the Yankees will tell you how great his defense is. Yeah, well, we need his bat. We need him to bring his bat. He's got to have, like, you went away from Gio Urshela because Gio Urshela didn't have enough pop in his bat. He didn't hit enough home runs. So, can we get that this year out of Josh Donaldson? If not, then put DJ there. Can I see DJ at third? Can they platoon at third? At shortstop, I expect to see Peraza most of the time, but, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's IKF. They love IKF. They see something different in IKF than the fans see. And I don't hate IKF. I just don't think that, like, I've talked about this before. I don't think that you're you're a serious championship contender with IKF as your shortstop. I mean, we just talked about, Bryson, Bryson Stott and Jeremy Pena, two rookies at shortstop in the World Series. And if you go back and look at the World Series teams every year, whether it's a, a Dansby Swanson or a Corey Seager or a Trey Turner, like these are top shortstops in the league winning the World Series. You, you kind of need a difference maker there, a Carlos Correa. You kind of need a guy that can lead the way at that position, not a guy that's at the bottom of your lineup coming up small that you can't even trust to the point where, you know, you can't put them in the lineup. Down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Avery, you're on the fan. What's up, bro? Uh, Keith, I'm not in Fort Lauderdale today. I'm back in Manhattan. Okay. Uh, it says Fort Lauderdale on the screen. My bad. In uh, Manhattan, we've got right. Avery yeah. on the fan. What's up, Avery? Well, I did call you from Fort Lauderdale a couple of weeks ago. Now, how you been? Congratulations, I wanted to say first. Thank you. I'm good. And I wanted to talk about the Rangers. Let's. Uh, were you at the well, game by any chance? I'm sure you watched the no, game. No, I wanted to go. I wanted to go. I couldn't, but I watched it. I watched the whole thing. It was okay. I was happy about Kane, you know. Um, that was great. It really made every. It clearly made the garden um, crazy, uh, which always looks fun. But they lost. <laughs> They'll be back. Yeah, it's a little deflating, a little anticlimactic. Not the results you want, but it's one game. I mean, Jared Halak, he looked decent, you know. He looked pretty good. Yeah, and we know that the Rangers are good. We know that they're going to be in. I know you're a Devils fan. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, I've got Devils fans on Twitter, like, trying to disown me, trying to get at me. Hey, no, no, no. I'm like, listen, I can separate my fandom, right? I'm a new fan. Yeah. I'm a host on the fan. I'm not going to come in and, and hate on Patrick Kane and the Rangers on night one because I'm a Devils fan. I, in a couple years, I might have that hatred. I don't have it yet. Yeah, I know. You're always you're always appreciative of everybody's fanship. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, and we don't all have to see eye to eye. We don't all have to agree. That's the beauty of this thing. Yeah. Anyway, you always, I always like to call into your show. Anyway, I just wanted to call, talk a little more, more about it, though, because, I mean, with a team like this that's making trades like this this year, do you think they could pull it off? I, I think that's why you're going for it, right? I think that's why right. 
you're you're making these trades because you were close last year and now you don't want another year to slip away. The following year you want to be right back in it. So you make those moves to get a Tarasenko, to get a Kane, and you hope that those guys can, you know, give you that extra push to push you over the Lightning or whoever it might be, the Bruins or the Hurricanes or the Devils, whoever it might be this year. Well, I think they can do it, and I think they got it in them. And if not this year, then next year. I mean, they were so close last year. so It starts in your mind. You know, you got to believe it first, and you got to talk about it. And then the other teams believe it, and then you get on the ice, and as you're believing it, it starts to happen. So, you know, I I think that the Rangers have a shot. I think the Devils have a shot. Uh, we'll, We'll see how it plays out. That's why we watch. It's like you said the other day. You think the next team that's going to break the drought in New York is going to be the Rangers. I don't know I like why. I don't know why that just was the first. You know, Michael K had the same reaction as me when asked about it. Uh, yeah. It doesn't mean I root for the Rangers or I even can name more than five players on their team. I just I watched their run last year. I've watched them this year. They've made trades to go for it. I think that they have a shot at it. Yeah, me too. Anyway. Nice talking to you, and then uh, from other point, I'll call in about the Yankees when the season gets running, right? Yes, sir. Thanks for the call, Avery. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to be a fan of a team to think, like, I'm not a Boston Celtics fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I've already said that I think they have a shot to go back to the finals, win the finals. Like, Do you guys watch sports and only have tunnel vision through the lens of your fandom? I don't think you can, like, I guess you can do that, but then, like, do you guys bet on sports? Like, I when I when I got my uh, FanDuel year in review last year I laughed because the most the team that I bet on the most was the Boston Celtics. <laughs> Why did I bet on the Boston Celtics that much? Because I watched them play enough to know that they were going to win. They had a good defense. They had Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. They had the defensive player of the year in Marcus Smart. I'm a Nets fan, but I was making money betting on the Boston Celtics. I can hate Boston, but I can acknowledge that they're good. And maybe one day I'll hate the Rangers. But if they're still good, I'll acknowledge on this microphone, hey, they're good. I think they have a shot. Dave is in Brooklyn next up on the fan. What's up, Dave? Hey, I do not like this pitching clock. Okay, let's talk about it. You don't like seeing it? That's my biggest thing. The Yankees Yankees played yesterday, and they didn't show the clock. Then I was watching a game uh, on ESPN today. It was Red Sox versus uh, the Phillies, I believe, and and I could see the clock. And I'm like, I don't need this. I don't need that. I don't need it counting down from 20. Oh, isn't it 15? No, it's 20, and it's 15 with with, uh, with runners on base, I believe, but it's it's 20, I think, oh. without runners on. Oh, my God. I mean, uh, what's next? Do, will golfers get a clock? What about bowlers <laughs> or dart throwers? Uh, see, and that's the thing, right? Like, I I think it's helping. Uh, and I think it's good for the game, but if you don't see it, it's not going to be so front of mind. Right. Well, I mean, I I can you know what it's like. It's kind and of I like have a it backwards. little bit. Of... I, I'm dyslexic. I always am like that. It's 15 with the bases empty. It's 20 with the runners on. Gotcha. Well, you know what? You know, look, I understand this is kind of like a nudge to 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 the game. Like, hey, can you guys step on it? You know, like if you ever watch games from the forties and fifties on YouTube, whatever, you can kind of see how quickly they move. We get all that. And obviously as more money was at stake with every pitch, players became a little bit more careful about what they did. Um, you know, with every pitch. But ultimately I think it just disrupts the rhythm. I mean this is not a speed game, never has been. You know, it's like the classic um, comedian uh, George but, Carlin. Remember but we can't say we can't say it never has been because they're throwing back to you know twenty thirty years ago when the average game was closer to two forty five, uh, you know, two hours and thirty minutes. So we can't say right. that it, you know it never was because some you know once upon a time before my time, pitchers mm-hmm. did have pace and they were throwing the ball over the plate and guys weren't mm-hmm. stepping out. It was a sense of urgency. Hey, this is a live game. You know, fastball is coming. I get it. I, I see the pros and cons of it. You know what I mean? It, it may uh, be more conducive to a younger fan base as well who think the game is too slow. I get all that. But ultimately, to me, this is like the shift. You know, it made sense at first, but then after a while, I think it, it caused more damage. Uh, this is my opinion. Well, now they're changing know. the shift. Now, right. you, you know, you, you're going back to having uh, two guys on the right side of the infield, two guys on the left side of the infield, and not in the outfield. 
Right. Yeah, you know, which brings me to this other point. I, you know, to me, especially with the shift, there's no question about it. Second base was the most difficult position to play. I don't know why everybody says shortstop. Only the second baseman has to go up the middle and literally do a 180 to throw the ball to first. And when he was in short right field for the shift, I think that throw was longer than anything the shortstop had to do uh, from his position. Am I wrong about that? I don't know. I don't know if I can agree with that. Shortstop, they have to cover a lot of ground. That throw across the diamond is harder. Um, second base, it just you know, a lot of times it's just a flip to your left. I agree with you about the play up the middle, you know, going to your right making that play and then having having to turn around. But, man, we've seen guys camped out in shallow right field make that play and then throw it to first. I've seen some outfielders make that play, you know, right fielders make that play. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for yeah. baseball. I think these changes are needed. I think that baseball is one of the slowest sports to adapt to modern-day times. And like you said, it's definitely for younger audiences, TikTok audience, uh, of kids that only have an, an attention span to watch a 15- to 60-second video. Yeah, definitely. Keith, I love your show. Have a great one, okay? Thanks for calling in, Dave. I got you. I mean, I, I, I get that any change is going to be met with resistance. For months, I was saying I'm holding out on passing any type of hard judgment until I see it. And I've gotten to see it in spring training, and all I'm saying in spring training so far is like, okay, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. Are they going to have the pitch clock available on every Sunday Night Baseball game? I just don't want to think about it. The Yes Network had the Yankees on the other day. They didn't show it. The, you know, Michael Kay talked about it. Jeff Nelson talked about it. And shout out to shout out to Nelly, man. Um, I hope they have him on more. I just think he's great. I think he's got a good radio voice and TV presence, good stories. Uh, he's a Yankee. Uh, he's a solid dude. I got to connect with him at Bernie Williams softball game. And, you know, I hope he gets more opportunities. But, yeah, the bigger bases... You know, I think they're saying, like, it's going to make it tougher to, to tag and expect more stolen bases. Like, it's just going to give us more action. There's going to be less of these games where the ball isn't put into play, less of these games where you're just falling asleep or taking a nap on a, on a Sunday. Uh, it, it's for the better. So the, the bases are bigger. The uh, shift is restricted now. The infielders can't be in the outfield. There's going to be two infielders on uh, each side of the diamond. And then obviously the pitch clock, which I said backwards, it's 15 seconds when there's no one on base, 20 seconds with runners on, and I think you only get two pitch outs. Obviously Manfred's man on second is a permanent rule for the 10th inning and beyond. Unless we're in October and in the postseason, they won't do any of that goofiness when it really counts, when it really matters. And I've already said that makes me believe, man, if they're if, – if, if they're not carrying the rules from the regular season, like Manfred's man on second into the postseason, they're going to shorten the season. Uh, they already have talked about expansion. Like the next thing is to to do away with 162, and we fought for that 162 last year in the lockout. Oh, you have to keep it for you know the records and the numbers, and you know it's always been 162. It hasn't always been 162. I think they're eventually going to cut like a week or two off of games, maybe make spring training longer or start later. And uh, there's not going to be so much emphasis on the regular season, especially as they talk about this, uh, you know, postseason, this new postseason format that they introduced last year, right? It's a crapshoot. Look, look at the Phillies. The regular season didn't matter that much for the Phillies. They were the third place team in their division, but they were a wild card team and they got hot at the right time. And that's really all October is. You play baseball for seven, eight months. You need to get hot in October. You could be a 100-win team uh, from you know April to September. If you cool off in October, that's all she wrote. And baseball is beautiful like that. It's a great game. I'm excited for it, and I think these changes are going to help. And I understand there's, there's going to be some people that disagree, but whatever. That's, that's the time that we're in. People... Meet everything uh, with some type of, uh, oh, no, it can't be this. All right, well, things have to evolve. Evolve or dissolve. Next up is Frank in Manhattan. What's up, Frank? You're on the fan. Hey, what's going on, Keith? I'm a, I'm a diehard Mets fan, but uh, I, I'm a little sick of watching the pitch clock wind down. I don't want to see that. But there was something I saw for the second time this spring in the Met game, and then there was a couple other games back that I can't remember the teams. It was there, today was the first baseman, of course, at first, second baseman at second, short at short, third at third. There was, I think, it was the sixth or seventh inning. It was a broken bat, ground ball, 
past the second baseman into right field for a base hit. With the shift on, that would have been to the whoever's playing short right field. That would have been an easy out. I, that was a base hit. Beatty went from first back, from first to third on the base hit. That's the second hit I seen that would have been an out with the shift on. Yeah, I want to hear your opinion and what, how you agree. Let me ask some. Is this pitch count? Uh, why the pitch count going to be for the? I lost you right there. Is it going to be for? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is that going to be for the playoffs? Yeah. The that... same rules are going to apply for the playoffs? Yeah, the clock is there. The only thing that they're not doing, from my understanding, in the postseason, in the playoffs, is the runner on second in extra innings, right? They're just going to play that out. Um, they try to speed up these regular season games, but in the postseason, however long it takes. And as far as like... But... As far as as far as that hit being a hit versus an out, they want it to be a hit. They don't want cheap outs. And I know it's not a cheap out, right? It's it's gamesmanship. It's you know setting your guys up in the right position based off of analytics and where guys hit it and where guys don't. But baseball wants those, um, you know. No, I agree. I agree. It makes the game much better, more exciting. Yeah, but- they want more guys on base, more balls in play, more stolen bases, more runs scored in an attempt to excite the casual fan well, that isn't I, that I deep. Don't like, what I don't like, they, they, they're trying to speed the game, but when the playoffs come, they become four and a half hour, five hour. You're looking at a game that starts at 8.15 at night and around 11.45, it's still going. Yeah, we'll see when we, when we get there. I think they'll be faster because there will be a pitch clock, but if we get extra inning games like we did in the World Series and – I think we got, you know, extra inning games uh, in another round of the postseason. I got to go back and look. Manfred's man on second isn't a thing because they, I guess they don't want to cheat anyone out of, uh, you know, that fake baseball, which I look at as fake baseball. Like, where'd that runner come from? How do you get on second base? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I just, I, I was just wondering if there's no pitch count in the playoffs, well, then the games will probably last four, hours, four and a half hours, but... If they're going to have it in the playoffs, okay, let it be. You know, it is what it is. But I have my gut feeling says the veteran umpire will probably let a second go before he calls it a strike or a ball. Uh, and the young rookie umpires call it immediately. As the Braves were tied in a game 6-6, the umpire called the guy out. He was fidgeting in the batter's box. Bases loaded. I think it was two outs. He called, yeah, there was two outs. and strike three. The game was over. In a tie, six six. You, I don't think you want to see that in a playoff game. And I don't think we will. I think by the time we get to October, everybody will be conditioned: players, umpires, fans. And I think it's just something that you're seeing in spring training because it's spring training for everyone. It's spring training for the pitch clock, spring training for the umps, spring training for the fans. And none of these games really count. Right, right. If I can quickly say something about the Rangers, I'm a diehard hockey fan. Uh, I watch the Rangers, but I'm a Boston Bruins fan. Uh, I think the Rangers got uh, Patrick Kane at 34 years of age. He's on the downside. You know, that's the way I feel. I could be wrong. God bless him. He scores scores another 10, 15 goals for the Rangers. God bless him. But I think he's in the downside. And that, that's, that, that doesn't sound good. Well, the Rangers didn't give up too much to get him. And their hope is that he's not on the downside for this run. If, you know, if he's still got... Some of that Patrick Kane mojo in him at 34, which I think he does, that's going to help the Rangers when it counts the most coming up here in the playoffs. Thanks for the call, Frank. Um, well, and Keith, where, where's the evidence that he is on the downside? I just, I can't do that. Like, I can't, I, at th- I'm 34. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not Patrick <laughs> Kane, but I can't look at this guy like he's ancient. <laughs> well, it's just, again, it, it, there's no there, there's no evidence that he is regressing. That If you had evidence for it, I'd completely agree with you. Then why did they trade him? I mean, he had well because he's in the last year of his deal. He's I gonna know. like he's gonna leave anyway. But that's what but people are saying. The like, guy, the guy had ninety six points last year on the worst team in the league. That's it's hard for me to sit here and say that he's regressing when he's a point per game player this year. He had ninety six points point. I mean, just because he's not winning anymore, he's not on the national spotlight. Doesn't mean he's regressing. Didn't like Yamir Yager play? He's su- still playing over in Europe. <laughs> uh, I know Ovechkin's thirty seven. Who's the oldest player in oldest player in NHL? Like, don't these guys play? Chara last year was like 43 when he played for they the Islanders. Play, some of these guys play, which is absolutely insane, to be playing 
a physical sport like that when you're 40. I think Mark Andre Fleury might be the oldest player in the league right now. It, it's for different positions. It, it, it requires different like. If you're if you're a forward and you're going to be a point scoring guy, it's a little harder to play into that older age. Whereas if you're a defenseman and you're just a big body who's meant to to bully people around, it's a little easier to play into your older age. But again, the the Patrick Kane isn't effective anymore. First of all, they, they gave up a second round pick for him. So even if I'm he saying. isn't whatever. even if he isn't effective anymore, cool, like whatever. But to the, the argument that he's not effective anymore doesn't really work because again, there's no evidence for that. The evidence suggests that he can still play at a high level. He's a hockey guy. Like, <laughs> this is what he does. Also, like, if you did watch the game tonight, I mean, they had plenty of chances tonight, and he was involved in a lot of their offensive chances. I mean, he was all he was all over the ice tonight. He touched the puck a lot of times. Him and Panarin looked like they had a great connection going on. It's his first game with the team. Like, give it a little bit. It's going to take time. He's going from a place that he played his, his first 12 years of his career back to a place that he's only been a road player once a year in. Yeah. Give it time. Instant coffee era, like Robert Sala says. You know, everybody expects instant results. Like, it's a trade. Um, it's the first game. You can't expect it to be instant. It's not going to be. These guys are human beings. These guys uh, have to adjust themselves. Uh, you ever switch jobs in your life? No, 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 no one goes from, from job to job, even though you're doing the same profession. No one goes from company to company and just it just seamlessly fits in like a glove. Nah. Some guys do, but not everyone. Nah, you need some time to adjust. Um, you need some time to be at your best and for everybody to be at their best. Uh, I don't feel this way, but do you think that they're missing Keandre Miller? They they are a little bit. It's only because of the cap crunch that they've had to make in the last week that they're now playing down players. Like I remember, too, in this game, too, Tyler Mott gets hurt in the first 15 seconds of the mm. game with the major penalty. And then all of a sudden you're down two guys again. So you're on a back-to-back, down two players. It's it's not easy. They're playing a lot of games in a lot of days. Their March schedule is brutal. They're exhausted. They'll be fine. Like Just because Patrick Kane didn't have a hat trick tonight does not mean that, that that he can't play and he's too old at this, at this point. I'd be a, Miller will be back to, after the after Saturday. So then you'll have Keandre Miller back. You're, you're hoping Lindgren at some point will be back in, in the near future. And then your team starts to round out a little bit. And then... Really, the goal, if you're a Ranger fan, if you're the Rangers, don't look at this as they got to start winning every game. Now, you need wins. You need to collect points. But this is the last 20 games has to be more about gelling, more about figuring each other out, figuring out these lines, and making sure that you're ready for the postseason. That's what it's all about. They're going to they're gonna make it. They'll get in. They have enough of a cushion. This, this last 20-game stretch is a stretch to get yourself ready. That's what it's about. March 2nd, don't panic. Should we break here in the middle of the hour? I think we should. 877-337-6666. We can open it up. Open mic. Whatever you guys want to talk about. Obviously, we opened up with the Rangers and Patrick Kane and Stephen A. Smith's comments. And, you know, then we talked about how much we've been talking about Aaron Rodgers. And we took a break from that, which is great. We went into the NBA and the shift here in New York with the KD Kyrie era ending. And now the Knicks emerging, winning seven in a row, and their offense exploding and hoping that they can make a run. Um, we're looking forward to March Madness and April bringing the combine and baseball coming back. We've obviously hit on the Mets and the Yankees spring training with the youth and the young guys that are uh, making it hard for both teams to not have them on the opening day rosters. But we understand baseball and we understand that they, you know, manipulate service time so you're probably not going to see these guys but it's good to have them it's good to know that the future is sooner rather than later and yeah now we've gotten into conversation around the pitch clock and the shift and Manfred's man on second uh when we come back from break I'll sprinkle in a couple more topics and uh like I said open mic whatever you guys want to talk about if you guys want to talk about uh fatherhood I'll take those calls uh earlier they were talking about dating apps and I did want to hit on that tonight. Um, they were talking about James Dolan being on the dating app. And I know I was talking about, you know, meeting my wife a, a while ago. And uh, we were talking about the pandemic and quarantine and, uh, you know, people breaking up during that time. So maybe we'll we'll hit on some of that to close the night. Last night I played that uh, clip from the, the young lady that said, you know, it's a green flag if you're looking for a guy that roots for a team like the Jets. Keith McPherson on the fan. Let's take this break and I'll be right back. Okay, well, I feel like we've taken a bunch of breaks. Let's get to the phones and take a bunch of calls. Keith McPherson on the fan of 5-hour KM to AM. 
You've got me till 12. We're talking through all the sports. Whatever you guys want to talk about, really. I'll sprinkle in some things. I'm in here watching the NFL Combine. I'm excited about watching the Combine and seeing some of these guys. Uh, but whenever I look at the Combine, I, I, I think last night I said it's like the Olympics, right? These guys are competing in these events. They don't always translate to the field. You can't place too much stock in it. But there's guys that make themselves a lot of money out here. They make a name for themselves out here. Right now I'm watching uh, the D linemen run the 40. And not to flex, not to brag, the fastest 40 time I ever ran was a 4.53. And I think uh, I clocked a 4.56 laser at Penn State. That's not that fast anymore. These D linemen are running 4.4. They had a D lineman today run a 4.39. Just watched another guy run a, a 4.54, a four, four. like the way the NFL is trending, these guys that are 6'5", 270, they can move. This league is all about pass rushers. Well, start with the passers. It's all about passers, quarterbacks, guys that can protect the passer, guys that can rush the passer, guys that can defend the pass catchers and pass catchers. Like, that's all the league is uh, is about, man. And I just think it's crazy that these guys can move like this, but... These guys have been training for it. Uh, you've heard me say that, you know, even in baseball, right? I just feel like these kids, younger and younger, are prepared because they start getting them prepared for the pros when they're teenagers. So these guys now that are running a 40, they've trained in how to run the fastest 40 time for 10 years. You know, these guys have been running the 40 since they were 12, 13. These guys are 22, 23 coming out of college now and, Running a fast 40 is nothing, and I love how many different schools I've already seen. I've seen kids out of Rice and App State, not just all the big schools. So uh, keep an eye on the NFL Combine. I'm definitely going to go home tonight and watch more of the NFL Combine. There's always going to be somebody that pops from the Combine that disappears, and then somebody else that pops and you know rises up the uh, ladder and gets uh, drafted because of what they did with no football involved. You know, This is all running and jumping and lifting weights, and uh, I think it's crazy how, you know, the combine has literally become an event. I remember the first time watching it on NFL Network. I think the first year NFL Network came out, uh, you know, going to my boy Mario's house. I always talk about, you know, like riding my bike over there and and watching NFL Network. I didn't have NFL Network, but seeing the combine, I'm like, this is amazing. I was aspiring to be a college athlete. I was aspiring to be uh, one of the guys that comes out of college and gets invited to the combine, but. I was trash. Never made it. Never made it. You know, has been washed up. Just just another guy that was not good. <laughs> Gary's in Manhattan on the fan. What's up, Gary? Hey, Keith. First of all, I joined the, joined the show a little late, but I think I'm inferring that you're having a baby. And uh, if so, I'm a father. And uh, for me personally, it's the greatest gift uh, my entire life, nothing else compares. So I'm happy for you. Assuming yeah. I infer correctly, I'm glad you said that because I, you know, I've I've accomplished a lot in my life. I feel I feel like I have more to to accomplish, but I don't think there's anything greater than creating a life. And man, I look forward to the challenge of taking care of my son and raising my son, and you know, hopefully turning him into a good man and adding another good person to the world. Well, I know you will, and it's it's such a thrill. So, so that's, 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 uh, incredible and, and cheers to you on that. And so, uh, baseball, you know, you're talking about the rule changes and, you know, I understand that some of these rule changes, the pitch clock is polarizing. Some people love it. Some people don't love it. I have no problem with it, but some of these other things, man, I mean, first of all, the, the, the man on second, if it's fake baseball in the regular season, it's fake baseball uh, it, it, you know, in the postseason. I don't know why we're playing fake baseball for 162 games and then real baseball in the postseason. It drives me crazy. Me too. And the shift, you know, and, and then in the shift, you know, you mentioned before, man, about advancing the game or moving it forward. I, I frankly think it does the opposite. I don't understand the argument for the shift. I mean, we, we all played Little League Baseball. You know, when I was in Little League Baseball, I was a lefty, a short little lefty hitter. 
And every time I got out to the plate, when I started playing Little League Baseball, all the outfielders moved towards the right field line. The infielders split over. I hit a fly ball to right field. The guy doesn't even have to move a step. He catches the ball. So what did I have to learn how to do? Obviously, hit it the opposite way. Hit it where they ain't. Why is it okay for a little leaguer to have to learn to do that? But these multi-million dollar professional baseball players, the best in the yeah. world at what they do, they don't have to learn how to hit it the other way. Yeah, or God forbid, lay down a bunch. They're allowed I mean, to shade a certain way. Like, I've seen that in spring training. Like, the third baseman will be a good, I don't know, 10, 15 feet away from the third base bag, but both the third baseman and the shortstop will be on the left side of the second base bag. Yeah, but but again, it's like, why? What was wrong with the shift the, the way the it re- was before? The reason why is because they want more balls put into play. I think what happened with the shift is, it, you know, Teams got a little too crafty with the analytics, and baseball's like, ah, we want to go back to there being singles up the middle. We want to go back to there being singles in shallow right field and, uh, you know, less of uh, these guys that can't adjust, right? You know, can't lay a bunt down the third baseline. Like, they want these guys to be able to, uh, you know, get on base, raise their batting averages, and give the fans uh, more hits, more guys on base. I don't know. I'm hoping it, it creates more excitement, but... I mean, yeah, you know, but I, what, what bothers me about that, and I, and I don't disagree that that's probably what they're going after, but it's like, it's like let's not pretend that analytics don't help the hitters, too. I mean, 10, 15 years ago, were we talking about launch angle and exit velo and all this stuff? No. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's analytics is, is you know, and helps everybody offensively and defensively. And it just really, really bothers me that um, that they're just making it, easier for the hitters to not have to i mean pitch clock's supposed to speed up the game putting more guys on base is just going to you know slow it back down so i don't understand uh and i don't like it um but that's just me it drives me nuts but you know that's just me yeah but you may watch this next baseball season and thank you for the call gary you may watch this next baseball season and be like wow that was great that was exciting you know i'm 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 holding back from saying I hate it or I don't like it. I I don't think I ever will. I've I've seen it in spring training. I think it's fine. And I'm a baseball fan. And for years, uh, I've been waiting for baseball to evolve. And you know, baseball they always put it on you know the fans and the content creators to grow the game or for the players to be more outgoing on social media. Well, now Rob Manfred and and company, his crew, they're making the changes to make the game uh, more appealing to the younger audience and the casual fans. It's not. This is not for the diehard traditionalist purist. This is not for the folks like myself and a lot of you listening that like, we've been watching baseball our whole lives. We think the game is fine the way it is. It's not for us. It's, it's to add to that, right? It's to add new fans. It's to keep up with the NFL, the NBA. It's to uh, move the game into the future and to move the game back into the past. Like I said, for for people that are are you know thinking that this is something new, it's it's really just a rule to put the game back to where it was, where there was a sense of urgency and pitchers were throwing the ball over the plate, and you better be in the batter's box ready to go, or you know I'm gonna Nestor Cortez quick pitch you, or like you saw Wandy Peralta today. Hey, we're we're live, we're playing here. Twenty seconds, strike three, you're out. I thought that was awesome, and I think we will we will all be in. Uh, for the most part, nothing is ever going to be 100%. But I think for you know, 80% of us, we're all going to be in agreement that this is these are all rules that are going to help Major League Baseball. Bigger bases, pitch clock, uh, strict, strict, not strict, shift restrictions, and uh, Manfred's man on second. I don't, I don't know how you feel about that. I, I don't think anyone really loves that besides the players because they've spoken out and unanimously voted for that in the regular season. But there's a disconnect. For me, like the last caller said, if it's fake baseball in the regular season, you know, it would be fake baseball in the postseason, then that's why they're not having it. So if you don't have it in October, why are you going to have it for 162 games over seven months? All right, let's switch gears a little bit and add some NBA flavor in here. I don't know if you guys are paying attention to the NBA tonight with the Knicks off, with the Nets off. And obviously yesterday, um, you know, we had Knicks and Nets. Oh, look at that. Wink Martindale. The Giants are out there at, uh, in Indianapolis. They're, they're, they're watching closely, and Wink's got a Yankee hat on. I like that. Uh, if you're watching NFL Network right now, watching the Combine, they just flashed 
Wink Martindale. And, uh, man, I'll probably turn the audio on uh, during the break. But, yeah, NBA scores right now. So, you know, the Mavericks been trying to figure it out with Kyrie and Luka. And they, I think, were 1-4 with Kyrie since the trade deadline. The Mavs get a win tonight. Luka goes off. Kyrie, I think, you know, went off as well. Let me look. Yeah. <laughs> Luka went off for 42 points. Kyrie went off for 40. I got to find the highlights. The Sixers. <laughs> I got no love for the Sixers. Sixers, obviously, with James Harden forcing his way over there and the Nets inheriting Ben Simmons. The Sixers try to keep pace with him, but the Mavericks beat the Sixers 133-126. Harden had 27 points. Embiid had 35. Tyrese Maxey had 29. So they were just throwing up shots. But uh, Luka and the Mavs outlast the Sixers, and uh, that's a big win for them. They're trying to figure it out with, with Kyrie and Luka. Other games final tonight. There are two games in play. One coming to an end very soon. Uh, the other game that went final, these are two playing teams in the East right now. The Toronto Raptors lost to the Washington Wizards in D.C., 119-108. Uh, newly acquired center for Tor- Toronto, Jacopoto, led the way for them with 23. But Kyle Kuzma, Kuz goes off for 30 points. He's stuck in D.C. I know he wanted to go elsewhere. He probably would like to be in Brooklyn. Uh, another game on TNT, which I'll probably try and get eyes on in here, but I'm watching the combine. The Clippers versus the Warriors is in play. Right now it's 39-34 Clippers. And the game coming to an end in the next 40 seconds, but in basketball terms, that's probably the next like four or five minutes. The Spurs, looking like they're about to get a win against the Pacers, 110-99. One, one thought it was 100. 110-99. I keep, like, refreshing. You know, sometimes you'll be on the score page, and I'm looking at it. It's 41 seconds. It's 45 seconds. It refreshed. It went to one. No, so right now the score, at least it's telling me on NBA.com, it's 110 to 99 Spurs over Pacers. Buddy Heald had 27. Uh, Jeremy Sohan had 22. And that's a good win for the Spurs. The Spurs, they're trash. The Spurs, um, they, they're 15 and 47. And they've lost a bunch of games like they were tanking. All right, back to the phones we go. Philip is in Jamaica, Queens. What's up, Phil? You're on the fan. Hello. Thank you for taking my calls. It's always a great show with you. I just want to make a hockey point and a basketball point. Okay. Um, my hockey point is I'm going to respond to the call about Patrick Kane. In my opinion, the Rangers did a good job getting Patrick Kane. I'm a Devils fan. But I have to give kudos to the Rangers for acquiring mm-hmm. Patrick Kane. The only thing is, Boston Bruins only lost eight games all year, and it's going to be really hard to get by Boston. I yeah. think that's. I think we we know that on both sides: Devils fans, Rangers fans. You know, Timo Meyer helps the Devils. Tarasenko and uh, Kane help the Rangers, but the big bad Bruins exist, and they don't lose much. Exactly. So that, they have to uh, get by them, and I don't know if they can. But I want to make a next point. Um, it's about Jalen Brunson. Why, to me, the MVP should be the most important player to your team. And the biggest difference, in my opinion, with the Knicks is Jalen Brunson. He makes all the players around him good, and he's tough. And I would it's like a, to know why a, he's not being talked You know, Philip, it's a, it's a league award. Jalen Brunson is by far the MVP on the New York Knicks, but in the league, he didn't make the all-star team. I feel like he was robbed of that, but everybody's pointing to Nikola Jokic again because of the triple doubles, and there's actually a lot of, uh, not controversy, but mixed things coming out around Nikola Jokic potentially winning his third MVP, and uh, if the Nuggets don't get to a championship, I just think there's going to be some more controversy around that. Um but, yeah, why why isn't Jalen Brunson in the conversation? I think he should be. I think he should be in the conversation for MVP. If the Knicks end up being a fourth seed, you know, and, and these are the Knicks, you you got to look at the Knicks, like, w- what changed this year? What was the biggest change? What was the most valuable The most valuable player was Jalen Brunson? Exactly. That's my point. If you take Brunson off the Knicks, I don't even know if the Knicks will be in the playoffs. And if you take uh, 
uh, the Dallas player, Luca off the Dallas Mavericks. Look, he's great. He's you take very Jason Tatum off the Celtics the... if you take Giannis off the Bucks. I think the Mavericks. You know, Mavericks. If you take Embiid off the Sixers. Like these are oh. these are the best players. Thanks for the call, Philip. You know, with Jokic. Kendrick Perkins, Kendrick Perkins is another one on ESPN that just says anything. Some of these guys, man, I I grew up watching ESPN. I grew up wanting to be on ESPN. I've kind of cooled on that because, like, the worldwide leader, it's just, like, a lot of guys talking, and I think they go for more quick, like, shock jock takes because they have commercials and segments, and you got to kind of, like, on your feet say something that is clippable now for social media. Kendrick Perkins was kind of alluding to the fact that um, <laughs> that Jokic is, uh, and I just typed in, I just typed Kendrick Perkins in Google, and the first two articles that come up 32 minutes ago in the New York per- Post, Kendrick Perkins suggests Nikola Jokic is winning MVPs because he's white. And I don't think it's specifically because he's white. It's more so European. And he alluded to, uh, like, Steve Nash winning the MVP over Kobe a few years back, a few, few years back now. Um, who else did he talk about? Dirk Nowitzki. And and those guys not being held to the same standard. I think Draymond Green even came out and said, how come the American-born players, you know, like Steph and like KD and Westbrook and Harden, like they're, they're held to a standard of having to win rings. But these guys can win MVPs. And I don't know. I, don't, I think it's a, a, a poor take. Um I understand where Perk was going with it. Like, for Nikola Jokic, if he wins a third MVP and doesn't get to the Western Conference Finals, it's just like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. But I have been on record saying this, that the NBA loves their international darlings. Because the NBA is a global game. They view themselves as a world game. And they do always have these players like Nikola Jokic or like Luka or like Giannis that they can market. I mean, me being a Nets fan, the year that, you know, 2021, uh, you know, the year that the Nets lost to the Bucks, I just was sure of, uh, I felt like it was almost manufactured. I'm like, all right, Giannis wins two MVPs. They got to get Giannis to the finals. And that was the year. The basketball gods were not ready for the big three. Giannis wins back-to-back MVPs 2018-2019, 2019-2020. Then Jokic wins MVP, but Giannis goes on to win the finals and win finals MVP. And I don't, I don't know if they'll win another one, but I'm, I, I just felt like, oh, that was the year. Now, um, when you look at three-time MVP winners, there's only three. Moses Malone, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. And Magic Johnson was a champion. Larry Bird was a champion. Uh, Moses Malone. But Nikola Jokic could be, I think, the first three-time MVP to not win a championship, but who else are you giving it to? I don't think Embiid is going to be up there anymore, and I thought I thought last year Embiid could win it. Embiid missed some time, and obviously now he's got the help of Harden and Maxi. I just went through the score of the you know Sixers Mavs game. You know Embiid, it's hard for Embiid to win the MVP. Yeah, he's he's dropping thirty five, but Tyrese Maxi dropped twenty nine. Harden had twenty seven. But yeah, that's an interesting um, take from one Kendrick Perkins. Alluding to the fact that, you know, Nikola Jokic, Dirk Nowitzki, Steve Nash got their MVPs because they were white European, because they were foreign. They were, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that was it. I don't think, I don't think it's that deep, but I do understand that these players are held to a, a little bit different standard than the American born players. And, you know, Perk doubled down on it. Why do they have them do that at ESPN? Like they'll say something on ESPN. The so, they'll clip it up for social media. Social media will react to it. And then these guys go on their personal accounts and try and, like, clear the air. I don't know. Let's go to Benjamin in Rockland County next up on the fan. What's up, Ben? Hey, first I was just going to commiserate with you about how Brooklyn has gone up and down the peaks and valleys. I I got into the Nets because of Jason Kidd, the biggest reason. And me, too. me and Me I, too. Vince Carter. I still wear my middle school Vince Carter jersey. I always tried playing like Jason Kidd. I was always the guy who tried passing like him, shooting like Yo, him. Doing his uh, routine sorry. at the free throw line, trying to make no-look passes like Jay Kidd. Yep, me too. Yes. 
Uh, and then just watching them kind of, you know, they were in the Valley for a while and start building 2015. You had, I don't know what the GM was thinking with all those trades, but at least you had a solid team. Then after that, went back straight down to the bottom because nothing happened after that. Then slowly rising, rising, get to the top. Then they decide we're going to kind of get rid of everything that got us to a pretty good spot, bring in all these guys, and all of a sudden we're back, you know, three, four years later, we're back to right where we were, kind of getting towards the bottom. But hopefully they'll come back out and get better. We'll be uh, all right, really man. Talk- we'll be all right, man. We had to believe in Devin Harris and Sean Kilpatrick and Brooke Lopez. And <laughs> we'll be yeah, fine. Brooke Lopez. That was probably the worst part of 2015, the fact that Brooke Lopez was out the entire year with like a foot injury mm-hmm. with everything. So I really want to talk about was the, talk about the before and the rules. Not Something that I don't know if everyone always talks about is really the stealing, how they weren't encouraged stealing in the game. The two things that really are going to up the percentage of stealing in this game is one, the way that pitchers can only have a limited amount of throwovers they have. They have, I think, one, maybe two on a base runner when they're on base. So that'll probably help because once, you know, the pitcher exhausts his throwovers, the next one's got to be, you know, on the money and get him out. Otherwise, it's a balk. So that'll help runners. And the second thing is the fact that Yadier and Molina retired. After that, I mean, even Carlos Correa admitted, hey, I have a contract here. Why am I going to go try and steal a space and lower, And if I get caught, it's going to lower my stats. Base stealing isn't as in the game because the analytics still, you know, say, hey, if he runs into an out, you know, that's an out. Why mm-hmm. not just leave him on the first base? I think you still need some of that. I mean, you have some guys like Dusty Baker, Buck Showalter, some of those, and Terry Francona. You have some of those older guys who, who, who see the value and say, hey, if this guy can steal a base, I might as well try and go for it because, you know, this guy might be good. You know, the Mets have Marte. You know, they have a guy like Brandon Nimmo who some of these rules will help because he's not a great instinctive base dealer. But if, let's say, you know, the pitcher throws over once or twice, now he can't throw over anymore, Nimmo is freer to run. Mm-hmm. And so, he's got the speed to do it. If he, Yeah, I'm with you, man. Yep. We'll, I, we shall see. We'll be here talking about it every night on The Fan. I'm sure there's going to be different uh, instances that we – uh, look at and we're like, hey, you know, this is where the pitch out rule or the pitch clock rule or whatever it is like really came into play. Thank you for the call, Benjamin. Jordan in Chappaqua, you're first up. When we come back, 877-337-6666. I've cleared my calls, so call in now so you can be second, third, fourth, fifth after Jordan. Keith McPherson on the fan. I'll be right back.